2: Welcome
3: to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios.
4: And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Monday edition of The Ride Home. Kath has uh, some vacation time, so she is not with us today. She'll be off the entire week, as a matter of fact. So uh, goodness for Kath to be out and about. And uh, I think she's at the ocean or uh, planning to be at the ocean, and visiting family after a long sort of uh, COVID absence, not seeing her sister for more than uh, almost a year and five months, I believe. Anyway, it's me. Thanks for being with us here today. Um, I was thinking about this. I was uh, A couple things intersected with this thought that I've had recently about waste. You know, we go into our refrigerators. I don't know if you do this. You go into your refrigerator, and you look around, and... uh, uh, a lot of people, so a lot of people live and die on the, um, you know, expires by label, right? This food is no longer good after this date. And uh, I've been thinking about food a lot because one of my boys, one of my sons, is working at a local grocery store for a summer job. He's stocking shelves. So you know, I, I pepper him with questions. I'm kind of curious about what does it, what's it feel like, what's it look like to work in a grocery. In a grocery store, you know. He's out there stocking shelves. I say, anything weird happened today? Anybody come by and ask you questions? What are people asking you as you're stocking shelves? Anyway, he, he revealed to me that, you know, in the back room, and I this is not, I don't think this is a secret or anything. This is just, you know, what it is to be a food producer and a food supplier in the United States in 2021, that the supermarket that he works at, and I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody or push them under a bus. Again, it's just business is business, that the supermarket that he works at, they regularly throw away almost daily, you know large chunks of food that have gone past that expiration date be it bread or produce or any number of things that have passed that date and it got me thinking about waste and, and how it is that in america especially i believe we waste uh, last time uh, last year at this time my wife and i like everybody else we were so sick of being cooped up we took a drive in the countryside And we we passed this uh, apple orchard where there was trees that, you know, the the apples had sort of reached their ripeness and were now lying on the ground. Now, my wife, she's a farm girl, so she knows, you know, what that's like about culling, about the harvest. And so we got into that conversation about rotting apples. And, uh, you know, she said, you know... um, Wasting food is an evil sin. You know, that's what she was taught in her church in South Dakota. How how do you feel about that? What about, what do you think about wasting food? And at the time, quite honestly, I I really did not give it a whole lot of thought about waste. Of course, you think of, you know, the sin, uh, the willful acts of disobedience that we all do. Most of us, I think every day. Apples fall off apple trees and they rot on the ground. That's just how it goes. In fact, that's how trees reproduce, right? But I was recently reading John's gospel, thinking about that conversation and about my son, and I was struck by this again. I mean, Jesus feeds the 5,000, and he commands the disciples to gather all the food together so that none would be wasted. And it struck me that this food production, I mean, that was a miracle, right? The food to feed five thousand, the loaves and the fishes. So I thought, well, well, why worry about what was left? I mean, that was a miracle. Jesus could recreate this miracle any time that he chose, but that didn't take this miraculous food any less important to him, did it? The United States wastes half of its food supply. You hear that? We waste, in America, half of our food supply. In fact, organic waste is the second largest compost of landfills in the U.S. Now, if you ask most people, they'll tell you that they're against wasting food. It does. It just doesn't It feel... You go to re- your refrigerator and you think, oh, that lettuce, that, le- that lettuce has turned to mush, those tomatoes that I bought at the farmer's market, I, I can't use them anymore. They sat in the produce bin too long in my fridge. In the 1960s, um, Americans wasted 12.2 million tons of food. By 2012, that number had ballooned to 35 million tons. Last year, it's estimated, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 45 million tons of food that we waste. And one of the biggest aversions of this, and I know you've probably heard about this as well, that Americans' aversion to anything that is not aesthetically appealing. We'd rather buy an apple covered in wax to seal in that perfect appearance than buy an organic apple that appears imperfect. Farmers are forced to cull a percentage of their harvest, purely because of the imperfections in a fruit or a vegetable, right? In California, post-harvest culling, you know, the nation's breadbasket in California, post-harvest culling is 30% of plums and 30% of pears are thrown out based upon their appearance because they just are not, they don't look right. They don't appeal to people's aesthetic sense, even though they taste perfectly fine. And then... After farmers call their produce, grocery stores remove more produce that is not attractive enough for their shoppers. A guy by the name of Doug Rauch, who is the former president of Trader Joe's, he told um, The Atlantic that grocery stores routinely trash produce for being the wrong shape or containing just minor blemishes. A 2016 survey by the Harvard Food and Law Policy revealed that more than half of the third of respondents threw out food that wasn't used by their best-by dates. 84% admitted to doing so periodically. And the sad thing about expiration dates is that they're seldom a reflection of food safety. In fact, once food passes its peak quality, it's considered past its date. Why? Because expiration dates are about protecting a brand, not about food safety. It's a lawsuit, right? Someone eats this, it gets a little funky, they might get sick, and boom. It's estimated that an average household loses upwards of five to $600 each year to trashing food past its expiration date. 600 bucks a year or more. And here's the weird thing. Americans, because of how we produce food, we spend dramatically less of our income on food than the rest of the world the average us household pays about get this 6% of their income on food yet when you compare countries like egypt they spend 43% of their income on food or pakistan nearly half of their income on food it's staggering and i believe that this you know discrepancy has a pretty negative impact on how we view food it's cheap just throw it away who cares So I think it goes back to how we view the world in which we live in and what God has chosen to give us. I mean, Jesus commanded the disciples to pick up the leftover food after he fed 5,000 people. And it didn't matter that the food was provided supernaturally. It was a miracle. So, you know, I mean, if it's a miracle, then that miracle pipeline, right, it's always there. But the truth is that all food is a miraculous gift from God. And as long as there are people who don't have enough wasting food in some form or another, it has to be moral bankruptcy. I don't know, I've just been thinking about this. That conversation with my wife, my kid working at the grocery store, and Jesus feeding the 5,000. I think it's important, right? I mean, I go to the supermarket and I'll buy. And then you go, I use some of that, but a lot of it I didn't use. So it's, uh, I'm speaking to myself here. Of course, always when I speak to you, I'm speaking to myself <laughs> first and foremost. I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself. I'm indicting myself. Food waste. How we look at it, how we use it, how we think about it. I think more than anything, I need to pray about it. Food waste. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we come back. Uh, Kirk Björkland is with us. He's going to talk to us about the Internet and your kids and safety and all that. Stay tuned. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy, sans Kathy, this Monday.
5: 101.5 WORD. Coming up on
1: Love Worth Finding.
5: Are you maturing in your faith? Are you a
1: growing Christian? I didn't ask. If you are a Christian, are you moving toward maturity?
0: (laughs) You can be young only once, but you can be immature for a long, long
1: time. Be sure to join us for more of Adrian Rogers' series, Sweetest Fellowship This Side of Heaven, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD don't let bees buzz off your
6: customers get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up block them out push them back and remove pests safely backed by booze 100 satisfaction guarantee when it comes to protecting your business and your guests who are you going to call Booze Bug Stoppers at BoozeBugStoppers.com. Thursday,
7: August 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern, be a part of Food for the Poor's virtual We Are One concert. This will be an evening filled with hope, unity, and celebration as we come together to experience the power of generosity to transform the world for those in need. Register today at FoodForThePoor.org forward slash O-N-E to be a part of our silent auction filled with fantastic items including incredible trips to national and international Destinations. That's foodforthepoor.org forward slash
6: one. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God that builds faith and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Why doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling? As an Owens Corning Roofing Platinum Preferred Contractor, it's simple. It's in their name. They're doing it right, and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver. Call 724-NEW-ROOF.
8: What it right, call Doing it right.
6: Remember what it was like getting together with your partner for a fabulous night out? It's been too long. Join Word FM aboard the Gateway Clippers Princess for our date night dinner cruise. Wednesday, August 25th from 630 to 9. Relax in the company of fellow believers while you enjoy a great dinner, music, and fabulous views of the city skyline. Sponsored in part by Trinity Jewelers. Just $45 a ticket. Don't miss the boat. Reserve your seat now at wordfm.com slash date night.
5: Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app, at wordfm.com. iHeart, in and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too. At 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh.
4: I saw today that um, this week is the anniversary of the beginning of the Internet, 1991 or so. Right There's a marker in the sand, in the sand whether it's Al Gore or not. But you think about those 30 years, and what what an amazing 30 years it's been. I mean, cataclysmic in some ways, deeply creative, joyful in other ways, and on the other dark side, I mean, horrifically just brutal. I mean, the rise of pornography in your pocket and uh, the all manner of uh, activism and it, it, you know, it just goes on and on and on, the, the dark side of the internet. So digital media has, has shaped in, for many ways, our spiritual life as well, our family life our life as parents, as husbands and fathers, as spouses. But there really is no sort of guideline to navigate this, especially when it comes to our children. So how do you, how do we guide teens and children through social media platforms? Like, um, well, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all those different things that we look at. Well, Kurt Bjorkland is with us. Kurt is a father of children. He has had this conversation, I'm sure, and here to talk to us about how do we guide kids through this. Hey, Pastor, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Good to be with you, John. Yeah, you as well. So, Kurt, you've got how many kids?
8: I have four boys.
4: Four boys. And and what are their ages?
8: Uh, they are now 25 down to 18.
4: Okay. So then you've been living this out in your life these past couple of decades, haven't you? 25. So when this first came upon you and you know you were an early adapter you and your wife of the internet and then you got pregnant and started to have kids what was that like I mean you and your wife between you was there an active conversation about how we best introduce our kids
9: to the web
8: yeah absolutely we um, it, it was interesting for us in that our two older boys were just old enough that that it wasn't super common for kids to have smartphones when they were in middle school. And by the time my two younger boys came along, if they didn't have a smartphone, it was odd compared to everybody else. And so we had a chance to see it uh, kind of as it was becoming as ubiquitous as it is. We certainly started with internet, with a computer in the family room that you know they could use, but only around other people and some, some guidelines around it. But in time, certainly all of our boys ended up you know, with devices where they could access the internet yeah. almost at will. Um, and at will eventually, because now they're adults, so they do exercise it at will. Right. And so, yeah, my wife and I had a lot of conversations around that with our boys. Um, so we let me just step back for a second to kind of overall parenting philosophy, because I think this impacts this issue. One of our goals was to have our kids be um, mostly autonomous by the time they were seniors in high school, meaning we didn't give them a lot of direction or rules. And our thought process was they're nine months from heading off to college, moving out of the house and being autonomous. We'd rather they have a taste of it and experience it. And we gear toward it rather than all of a sudden they go off to college and I can do whatever I want. Right. And so. So our goal was always to get them to a point where they were making their own decisions without—with us as advisors, not with us directing their decisions. Yeah, and right. and so that certainly came into play when it came to the Internet. And so I, as I've thought through this issue, I think one of the biggest issues—you know, the Bible isn't, does not give us a lot of direct parenting instruction. Uh, no matter what people tell you and try to use verses to say— that the real key verses are Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3 that are basically don't embitter your kids, don't exasperate them, depending which uh, place you are, uh, and then train them in the Lord. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what the Bible really says directly. And yeah, there are other things, Deuteronomy and, and some of that, but Proverbs a little bit, but, but by and large, it's don't exasperate, don't embitter your kids, and train them. And and I think the, the tension with this issue in all parenting is— Largely, the, when your kids are little, rightly, you determine what, you determine how, and you don't spend a lot of time telling them why, maybe a little bit. And so it's, no, you can't use that. No, you need to do this, you, you know, and here's how you're going to do it. As they get a little older, you still kind of drive the what, but you start giving them options. You can clean your room now or you can clean it later. You can do your homework now, you can do it later. Um, and, and you start talking about the why. And then you hit a point where the what starts to become a conversation, and the how is really all up to the kid, and the why is where you're trying to really spend your time. And I think on this issue where where parents get in trouble is they either, and, and we certainly make both of these mistakes, you either are too directive too long so that your kids aren't learning and owning the choices you're just telling them what to do without helping them understand the why and make their choice or you go the other way and you're too permissive too soon when they're not ready to handle the responsibility and and the art of parenting is is transitioning as your kids grow at the exact uh, time that they need you to transition and that's that's what's so hard about it is is you know it's not a universal i can't say to somebody hey at age 13 this is what your policy should be right. well it depends on on the kid it depends on how responsible they are how much they're ready to own choices and and how they've responded to the freedom they've been given but but there's almost no doubt if your kids are navigating this space there will come a day when they will have devices and navigate it without you looking over their shoulder. So the whole goal has to be not just I restrict them, but how can I get them to a point where they own choices and make good choices?
4: That's good. The problem is, though, right? And, and, and I agree with everything you just said. I mean, that was an an excellent guide into how to raise a child. But now, you know, um, your older kids, your 25-year-old, he didn't get a smartphone when he was 13 or 14. But then you place a smartphone in your kid's hand, and then they're one click away or so from hardcore pornography. And, you know, we had family friends who gave their kid a phone when he was like 12 or 13 or so, and a good relationship with his parents. And he said to his mom, Mom, I saw that, and I sure wish I didn't see that. So it's kind of like Pandora's box, right? I mean, the world is available to them, good, bad,
8: and otherwise. Well, you, you know, you wouldn't let um, some person who you were not convinced was good for your kids go to your kid's bedroom and close the door and show your kid anything they wanted to show them. Or, you know, and sometimes that's what we do with devices. It's like, go ahead, go to your room. And and so so certainly I think there's a time to say, Devices need to not be in bedrooms at a certain time of night, depending on the age of the kid. Um, we were always very aware that, that the device is, is a gateway to anything. And, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14, you, you are not mature enough generally to navigate having 24-7 access to that device that's not monitored by anybody else. So I think it's a really healthy thing for parents to say, you know, we're going to leave devices uh, in the kitchen overnight and they're going to be charged to a certain point. And then at some point, again, you start giving more freedom and understanding that they're moving toward freedom. So, you know, if you have a 21 year old, that you're trying to limit their device, sure. um, you know, that's probably not ideal. And so it, it really is the question of where do those transitions happen um, but certainly going too early, too soon with with giving uh, leeway on those things creates um, – it, it doesn't even make your kids happy. They, they may feel like it does in the moment, and it may feel better, like you're not having to have the battle with them over, no, you can't have this device. And even when it's all my friends are on, my de- on the device, they're all you know, on social media at this time of night, you'll be the unpopular one, but but your kids ultimately – Will be happy that they had a time away from the device, That's and good. and you know one of the things that that I'm going to sound like a really old guy here, and I realize that. But <laughs> in good company. One, one of the things that that was true when I was a kid, and even was true for my older boys just ten years ago, um, to a degree, was that they could come home from school and have a break from school when they were in middle school. They didn't have to go back till the next day. Yeah. And, and they were away from it unless they sat on a phone or something. Um, once they have devices, school pressure never shuts off. And so if you think about that as a parent, think about how important it was, especially in middle school, to have a break from school for a few hours to reset your thinking, to think about how to handle things, to, to maybe talk about them with your parents and say, here's how I'm going to handle that situation. Now the You know, a lot of these kids stay on their devices until midnight and they start with them first thing in the morning. Sure. And so even if they're not doing anything uh, seedy, such as pornography or whatever, um, that's just a lot of social pressure.
4: It just goes Uh, on and on and on, right? I mean, it never ends. And I think, you know, you could add to that the idea of bullying, right? I mean, everybody was familiar with a school bully, but now there's Internet bullies who are going to terrorize you, you know, at 9 o'clock in the evening.
8: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's and that's what I mean by there's just no break from it. So in that sense, you'll be doing your kids a favor to say, no, we're going to aim to have an end time to social media, to interaction where, you know, you can sit up and read a book. You can have conversation. There are things we can do besides be beholden to social media and even helping them set that pattern is a healthy thing. Right.
4: Okay. so then overall, the the general advice you're saying here is. Limit your kid's screen time. Uh, don't breathe down your kid's neck. Uh, when the kid gets older, allow him autonomy to figure things out on his own. But especially when they're younger, don't give it to him too soon. But at the same time, limit the time, and especially not in their rooms or, you know, places where they can find their way into dark corners.
8: Yeah, again, it's the the what, how, and why distinction saying, you know, when they're young, you're going to drive all of and as they get older, you drive some of the what, and you want to talk about the why they get somehow. But eventually, even the what, you, you surrender and, uh, because they're becoming adults. And, and, and the art of parenting, I think, even on social media, is largely about making those transitions at the right times. And sometimes you'll give too much autonomy and have to take some back. Um, you know, like if uh, let's talk about something that's not this, because sometimes it's helpful to think about things not in the exact same category. Let's say your child started to drive a car, and you gave them a car, and they were irresponsible with it. Well, what do you do? You take back some of that freedom, right. and so it doesn't have to be a one-way street. You can come and go, but but you can't you can't abandon the role of parent, which is to say. You know, it's still my job to to give you guidance and direction. And sometimes your kids, especially as they get older, won't want that direction. And you still have to try to give it even as you're opening your hands and saying that you get more and more responsibility.
4: It's a very delicate balancing act, there's no doubt. Kurt Bjorklund is with us. He's senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Hey, Kurt, uh, thanks for this. I mean, that's really good. Uh, Before you do leave us, though, talk about Orchard Hill. Um, I assume that you're wide open and uh, all campuses are inviting people to come in.
8: Yeah, the three campuses are open. Uh, People are coming. Uh, It's been really a healthy, good season for us as a church. We've actually uh, just seen a lot of great things through this season and a lot of new people watching online as well. So, so really a a good time. Fabulous.
4: Always a pleasure, Kurt. Thanks so much for your input here. Thanks. Orchard Hill Church, Pastor Kurt Bjorklund, information, of course, about Orchard Hill, easily found on the aforementioned web. We'll take a quick break. Step aside. Uh, We're just getting underway. It's the Monday edition of The Ride Home. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, 101.5 Word FM. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA Cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA Cotton, regularly $109.99 now, just thirty-nine ninety-nine. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD.
5: A moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo moo. Hi there, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84 Pennsylvania. Not only will you enjoy watching the heifers in the field and the baby calves in the mini barnyard, but you should also come hungry for our fabulous farm fresh cooking. Step inside the Springhouse for hot roast beef sandwiches, turkey and stuffing, hickory smoked ham, stuffed cabbage rolls, real mashed potatoes, and a whole lot more. A different menu each day. The locals tell their friends that our famous chocolate milk is the official drink of the Springhouse. And be sure to save room for apple pie, ho-ho cake, Oreo cheesecake, or lots of other from-scratch goodies for dessert. Have I made you hungry yet? Let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. 724-228-3339 or SpringhouseMarket.com.
10: Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents and Doug. And we're back with Limu, Emu, and Doug for the final question. Category
11: is Things You Climb. All right, Limu, what do you think? You sure? We're going with. Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Uh, oh, so close. We were looking for stairs. Huh. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty.
0: Whether it's offering curbside or next day delivery for online orders on over 160,000 parts or getting involved in their local communities, when it comes to serving you, Napa's Motor never quits. That's Napa know-how.
5: Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, tune in, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh.
1: Mostly clear skies for tonight with a low of 56. Tomorrow, a blend of sun and clouds and a high of 80. A thunderstorm around tomorrow evening, otherwise mostly cloudy skies, low 61. Wednesday will be pleasant with sun and clouds. Expect a high Wednesday of 81. Thursday, clouds and sun, a high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
4: Hey, just a reminder that uh, Word FM's date night is back. And uh, this time we're going to go out on the Three Rivers. Wouldn't it be good? I mean, I was talking to my wife this morning about summer. Here it is, August second. I don't know about you, but I <laughs> I get anxious. I do. I get anxious. Oh, it's August. Oh, the summer is going by here so quickly. Before you know it, everyone's back in school, and you know, then summer's gone, and we're back inside our houses. I know. I just you know a sort of a a small sort of mental defect that I have. But it would be very nice to be out on a boat on the rivers, and be out with your wife or your husband. August 25th, a romantic night out, and we hope that you would join us aboard the Gateway Clipper Fleet's Princess, featuring a great dinner, fabulous views. Uh, I'll be there, and uh, Kath is coming along as well. She's not my date, and uh, our spouses, they have both declined because they said, well, no, you're on the boat. You're working. So, uh, unfortunately, we still like to have you come. It's going to be a really good night. Tickets are on sale right now at wordfm.com. I don't know about you, but I look forward to being out on the rivers. And uh, hopefully it'll be a beautiful night and it won't be, uh, you know, uh, rainy or super hot or anything. We're just going to cruise along. I look forward to that evening. August 25th, Word FM's date night. So uh, wordfm.com. Hey, uh, when the pandemic, uh, you know, got underway and, uh, you know, like, like Kath and I and a lot of people here at the studio and a, a lot of pl- people, uh, other places, we were fortunate enough to be able to work from home. And um, it was good. I mean, I I, I liked working from home. I, I don't think we missed really much of a, a beat. But in the midst of all that, you know, um, there was a lot of conversation in our house about, um, well, are you going to have a hobby? <laughs> Like, all of a sudden, I don't think I had, like, you know, a ton more time. I really don't. Other than getting ready for work and, you know, um, the commute, you know, that was a time saver. But I think for a lot of people, you just went about and did your regular work. But I do know that a lot of people um, tried to do hobbies, new hobbies, I should say. I'm not a hobby kind of guy. I know friends of mine who are woodworkers and guys who, you know, play musical. It's, It's just, to my against my best wishes it has not served me well i mean i know people who have hobbies of life-changing things right have you have you had a hobby during the pandemic um i was talking to friends of ours over at church a buddy of mine said he was he was trying to juggle and so he went out and bought those juggling you know, those soft juggling balls i learned how to juggle uh, when i was in my teens and uh that's always fun but he said you know he he probably tried it for maybe three weeks or so. Never got really well uh, beyond the three balls in the air, the soft balls in the air, and he gave it up. Another another friend of mine said, hey, my dad was an avid stamp collector, and I inherited his stamps after my dad passed, and I thought that I would sort of pick it up as well. That went nowhere. Uh, again, another friend of mine went out and bought himself, um, I don't even know what the name of the saw is, some kind of a saw where he was going to make furniture. You know, that's in air quotes, furniture. His wife standing next to us, laughed and said, yeah, you know, it kind of made this uh, furniture, this table that was it it really was found its way out into the garage. So I don't know. Hobbies are good. And I think, you know, the pandemic showed that a lot of people gave it a shot. But I wonder post-pandemic, and I do believe it is post-pandemic, despite the Delta variant and all that, that it is post-pandemic. So you go back to your regular lives again and uh, you kind of wonder, has your hobby served you well? I don't know. Anyway, we'll take a quick break, come back. Carl Truman is with us in just a few minutes. The end of civil religion. What exactly is civil religion? And what does that mean for believers, you and I, who know and love Jesus? We'll talk about that next here on The Ride Home. Be right back.
5: O-R-D.
6: Moms are the most influential people on the planet. For years, you've trusted Focus on the Family. Now you have the chance to experience it in person. Enter the Focus on the Family VIP experience. We'll fly you and three others to Focus on the Family headquarters, where you'll stay at Great Wolf Lodge in Colorado Springs and sit in on an actual Focus on the Family program. Enter once per day and complete bonus
1: tasks to increase your chances of winning. The Focus on the Family VIP experience. Register to win at WordFM.com dot com slash focus.
5: Uncle Ryan is going to talk about
11: what in the world a direct lender advantage is. So wow, I've been doing mortgages now for about 18 years. I started United Faith Mortgage with my father. We have a small team here. And honestly, I really think that's what makes us shine. The advantage of us being a smaller team is really the customer service. It's so important to me to make sure we hold your hand throughout the entire process. The other big deal thing is that we're an arm of a large company who has a really big financial backing and a direct lender advantage. Essentially, what that means is that our company gets to use its own money within its own walls. Um, And that's a really huge advantage for our listeners. Because typically, as a direct lender, we may be able to offer you a better rate, which over the life of your loan, saves you monthly and lifelong money.
7: We. Our United United Faith Mortgage. Mortgage. We pay your appraisal
12: fees up to $500. That's out of pocket money.
4: United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York.
0: MLS number 1330.
4: Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters, and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement, offer valid through eight thirty one twenty one. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at Pittsburgh.com. That is, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com.
6: Pittsburgh.com. Oh, a child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's, and leaving a child in a hot vehicle could lead to their death very quickly. Tragically, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of these incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. Please set yourself reminders on your cell phone or place something you'll need in the back seat so you don't forget your child. Always look for your baby before you lock. Brought to
4: you by Nitsa. Dr. Carl Truman is back with us. Dr. Truman is a regular guest on our show. He is the Department of Biblical Religious Studies at Grove City College, where he teaches courses on the history of religious thought. Carl's latest book is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self: Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. He wrote a piece, though, that we saw at uh, First Things. It's a First Things a Wonderful Magazine that uh, we follow very closely. And the title is Two Cheers for civil religion. Carl, welcome back to the show.
2: Great to be back. Thanks for having me on. Yes, Carl. uh,
4: Before we even start uh, the deeper uh, discourse on on your article, can you talk to us about civil religion? What exactly is that?
2: Well, civil religion is the the religiosity of society. And most of us grew up, we grew up in the 60s, 70s and 80s, grew up in a society where Christianity was sort of the default. And what I mean by Christianity there is not necessarily vital personal faith in Jesus Christ as Savior so much as Christianity as, as the sort of the, the unquestioned moral guide to how one should behave in society. So civil religion, in the, in the way I'm using it, is really the sort of the, the moral framework of society loosely grounded in, in the notion of the Christian faith.
4: I see. Okay. So then for a long time, right, I mean, you would uh, see America and, and clearly, uh, as someone who was born in America or, uh, you know, someone who uh, was well-versed in American culture, you would nod and have a fairly decent understanding of what civil religion was. But... There's been a deep and, uh, I would say, uh, uh, troubling change recently in what civil religion has become. And you detail this very carefully in Two Cheers for Civil Religion in your piece at First Things, where you're on a family trip and you're taking your wife and your children through Georgetown, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. Please tell us the story.
2: Yeah, well, I wasn't taking. Actually, my children are too old for me to have taken through Georgetown. <laughs> but, yeah, my wife and I happened to be in Georgetown visiting our son, who lives in uh, Falls Church. And we were we love Georgetown as yeah. a, a little town. Or, it's in D.C., but it's one of the quainter parts of D.C. We went for a walk through Georgetown. And it was the middle of Pride Month, and Pride flags were everywhere. And we were confronted with. Pictures, photographs uh, of, of sort of homosexual activities, some of fairly mild kind, I suppose, but of the sort that 20, 25, 30 years ago one would would never have seen. And it made me think, you know, what about if I was a young parent today, walking through Georgetown, confronted with rainbow flags, confronted with these homoerotic uh, advertisements? It's going to raise an awful lot of questions for my kids that, frankly, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought were appropriate for, for five, six, seven, eight-year-old children to raise with tearing away, if you like, our children's innocence right. uh, in this. and um, How can we get away with it? Well, it's the death of the old civil religion. When you and I were young, John, it wasn't that everybody running society was a Christian. But they had that sort of patina of of Christian morality, if you like, that restrained these kind of things in the public square.
4: Yes, but now, Carl, you know from, from the yard signs in public discourse that love is love.
2: Yeah, what a meaningless statement that has become. Yes. You know, love, once upon a time, had a sort of content. One can think about, well, love for country. What did love for country mean? It meant the willingness to sacrifice oneself and one's personal desires for the greater good of the country in which one lived. Love had a specific sacrificial content and we can see how that tracks back somewhat to the Christian notion of love, the sacrificial love of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're all called to emulate. Love today, of course, means uh, me being able to fulfill myself in any way I wish, providing I don't hurt anybody else, and it means me not getting in the way of anybody else who wishes to fulfill themselves in any way they wish to do so. It's become contentless.
4: Yes. So then how do you respond to this civil religion, um, this new order of civil religion? When you look at, you know, love is love or you look at sitcoms on television or the Olympics or wherever, right? We are told that there is a new order of life here. And if you're out of step with that new order of life, then you are hateful and you're a bigot and you are assigned to the dustbin of history.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think, first of all, one, um, on the, really the burden of the article was... I think Christians who celebrate the death of civil religion because they feel it's the end of Christianity as hypocrisy need to realize that the end of the old Christian civil religion actually comes at a cost. And I think it comes at the cost of of our children, by and large. So I think those Christian leaders who in the last few months have been celebrating the death of civic religion need to realize it's, it's not an unequivocal good that we're witnessing. Secondly, I think that in the long term, the kind of chaos we're unleashing on the world is unsustainable. Uh, So how do we respond to that? Well, I think we respond at a local level by living lives according to the truth. This is where I think local community and local churches will be so important, because we will provide oases of sanity in this general dissolution of society that we're witnessing at the moment. Yes.
4: Okay, Carl, so when you say that the new civil religion is unsustainable, you're essentially saying that anything goes, and if anything goes, then nothing is verboten, and we should all nod our head in agreement and bow down to this, because again, if you say that this is wrong or untoward or it's against uh, our, our Christian walk, then you're the one who's wrong here. But if anything goes, then goodness gracious, I mean, it opens it opens Pandora's box times a million
2: yes and the the problem of course with anything goes is it's clearly an incoherent position because we can't have serial killers plying their trade with impunity everybody knows there have to be limits so what's emerging at the current point in time of course is is this sort of radical personal libertarianism relative to what i want to make of my life is also uh, happening in parallel with a rising authoritarianism whether it's authoritarianism of the government or of of non-governmental agencies such as big tech what we're seeing now is an increasing corralling of behavior precisely because the old communities that were kind of self-regulating and where people essentially internalized uh, the habits needed to be sociable and to get on as those have dissolved so that it has to be imposed upon us from the outside by these new and increasingly authoritarian agencies. Right.
4: Okay. So then, I'm sure you see this uh, at your college, at Grove City College. There, there are still, and I would say, I would say this with all due respect, small pockets of Christian resistance. Right. That there are still speaking and teaching the truth of the gospel. But for the large part, society is moving on. So how do we then as Christians respond? I mean, do we, you know, as Rod Dreher, do we just revert to these, you know, sort of Christian ghettos? Or do we continue to speak the truth and fight back in some way to do so, what, in love, and, but at the same time with anger and with some vitriol? Uh,
2: I think it's it, it's not an either-or. I think certainly there's a regrouping that has to go on. We have to rethink what it means to be a Christian community, and that's the sort of the Rod Dreher, Benedict's option, if you like. Yes. But I don't think we can stop there. I mean, most people, most Christians, we're deeply embedded in wider society. Uh, disappearing from society is not an option for most of us. We have home loans, we have student loans, we have employment, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that there's a case for regrouping, but then I think we have to realize that But what we're learning as we regroup is is how to behave and how to be salt and light in the in the world around us. In terms of should we be angry? Yes, I I think we should be angry that our children's innocence is being taken from uh, taken from them. Should we respond with vitriol? Well, the Bible is very clear that uh, uh, that we are not to to in anger we should not sin. Now, Paul uses some pretty strong words in his letters. It's not that that means we have to pussyfoot around on everything. But we need to be very careful when we use strong words that we're using them appropriately, and we're not allowing our passions to to take control of our arguments. So, yes, yes, we need to respond with, with passion, but we do need to be very careful that in doing so we don't fall into sin.
4: Right. Okay, so in your First Things article you say, I, for one, mourn the death of the old civil religion. Now, um, I guess you could say that, you know, that day has come and gone. We do mourn the passing of that. But there is a new day here. And, of course, you know, you just outlined here a proper response to that. But in some ways, I I do mourn this as well. But... um, whether it's Grove City or Penn State or whatnot, our children are being held hostage to a, a different way. They're being you know, sort of um, brought up to, to believe that they are out of step, so they have to get on with this. You can only imagine what the world's going to be like this world 20, 30, 50 years from now.
2: Yes, uh, and it, it's hard to predict. Now, of course, we need to remember that in, in 1933, uh, it looked as if Nazism was going to sweep Europe. In 1917, 1918, it looked as if the Soviet Union was going to be the wave of the future. So there are moments in history where the odds seem to be overwhelming, and yet, in retrospect, it's clear that these things fall apart. So I don't think it's time time to despair. Yes, the, the way the media presents things at the moment, present company accepted, of course, John, but the way the media presents things is this is an overwhelming tidal wave, and there is no point in resisting. I question that. We do have the promises. We know that the Church will prevail. Uh, and also, we know that overwhelming forces, or seemingly overwhelming forces in the past in history, have proved not to be as overwhelming uh, as they as they appeared, precisely because they've been unsustainable in the long run. And I think we could be in a position like that at this particular moment in time. Amen
4: to that. Okay. With that, then, as believers in Christ, we with all the different denominations, we need each other, do we not? right? Presbyterians, Methodists, evangelicals, Catholics included, right? If you say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, instead of splintering apart, which has been the norm here in the last uh, you know decade or so, we need to be together unified.
2: Yes, I think a couple of things need to happen. One, I, I think we need to stop the what seems to be the Christian self-loathing that so characterizes. Uh, a lot of the Christian world at the moment, that we're constantly presenting ourselves as part of the problem, not part of the solution. We need to overcome that. And secondly, I do think we need to work at what I would call proper ecumenism, and that's an ecumenism of friendships that operates first and foremost at a local level. There are pastors listening to this program. You can set up pastor's breakfasts with the pastors and priests in uh, your area, you can start working at these things. You can have pulpit exchanges. You can start praying for uh, for other churches from the pulpit of your church. I think a shift in our imagination to realizing that, you know, the if you like the enemy of my enemy is my friend yes. is, is, is not strong enough. But that's certainly a, a good starting point for us. I think at the moment,
4: that's very good, Carl. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. We need more like you.
2: Thanks very much for having me on, John. My pleasure.
4: Dr. Carl Truman from Grove City College. His newest work is called "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self: Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution."
13: Lord. Ibrahim prayed your word has the power to change a life please use this book to accomplish your purposes when the Isis fighter entered his room in Syria Ibrahim looked him in the eye and said I know you will kill me but I give you my Bible Ibrahim died that day but the killer did take the Bible and began reading it today that man is a devoted follower of Christ Like the Apostle Paul who participated in killing Christians, no one is beyond the reach of God's love.
7: Shine the light of God's word in the darkest places today. Just $6 sends a Bible to a persecuted believer. $60 will send 10. Call 800-279-1969. That's 800-279-1969. Or click on the Voice of the Martyrs banner at wordfm.com.
6: To be or not to be? If that's your pest question, get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. Booze respects bees until they become a stinging problem for homeowners. Boo and his Bug Stoppers team can safely remove wasps, hornets, carpenter, and ground bees with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get a free quote today. When it comes to getting the buzz on bees, who are you going to
1: call? Booze Bugstoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. Are you looking to grow your career with a bachelor's degree and have college credits already completed? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online degree completion program in business and justice administrations. Classes begin every five weeks. Financial aid is available. Visit waynesburg.edu. Remember what it was like getting together with your partner for a
6: fabulous night out? It's been too long. Join Word FM aboard the Gateway Clippers Princess for our date night dinner cruise. Wednesday, August 25th from 630 to 9. Relax in the company of fellow believers while you enjoy a great dinner, music, and fabulous views of the city skyline. Sponsored in part by Trinity Jewelers. Just $45 a ticket. Don't miss the boat. Reserve your seat now at wordfm.com. Date night.
13: Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to your retirement blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC.
5: We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, tune in, and at radio.com.
4: The words social distance. Doesn't that drive you up a wall? Aren't you sick of hearing that, living that, being that? Thank goodness, I believe, I I do believe, that here in western Pennsylvania, that this thing is pretty much over, despite the the Delta variant and, I I believe, the upswing here. Get a shot. That social distancing thing. Well, during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic, we always did this anyway. You know, we had a bird feeder. We've got um, bird baths. I took such great pleasure in l- watching birds. Well, now apparently birds are being told or we're being told if you love birds to social distance because there's this mysterious disease that it's making its way across the songbird population of the eastern United States and inf- infecting at least a dozen species of birds across nine states. Uh, I'm reading uh, about this um, from the Audubon Society. And they say that scientists can't figure out what the bug is, but it's killing birds, young birds, particularly grackles, blue jays, American robins, European starlings. I mean, this is all native. This is all Western Pennsylvania birds. They, they are particularly vulnerable to the disease. So they're saying <laughs> if you love your birds and you've got feeders in the backyard and you've got your bird baths, bring them inside. Shut it down. Because if you take away the ability for the birds to be social, hopefully it will break up this mysterious unknown disease. So now birds are being told <laughs> through me, through you, to socially distance. Heaven help us. Heaven help us indeed. We're going to step away for just a minute. Uh, listen, we've got a big 5 o'clock hour ahead. We're going to talk about Orthodox Christianity That's big. Straight ahead on the ride home.
14: 101.5
5: WORD FM, Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in, and at radio.com. With SRN
0: News, I'm John Scott. Florida set a new record for COVID-19 hospitalizations on Sunday. Shelly Adler with that report
7: will help more. Are needed. That's according to Jason Salami, an associate professor of epidemiology at the University of South Florida.
8: If we don't start to implement things that block transmission, we're going to continue to see increased numbers of cases, and not just cases, but indications of severe
14: illness.
7: And while Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has resisted mandatory mask mandates, other leaders are pushing for the protection. Sadly, there has also been a big rise in the number of children with the virus at hospital. Hospitals In Miami, many of them needing intensive care. I'm Shelley Adler.
0: And on Wall Street, the Dow is up a dozen points of the NASDAQ 58 points higher. This is SRN News. Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you the new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's inspirationcruises.com or call 800-247-1899.
3: Let's see, if something costs less but people are happier with it... That sounds like something to look into, and that's Metashare. Maybe you've heard switching to Metashare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family five hundred bucks a month. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for Metashare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. Metashare works, it's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than three billion dollars of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844 844-57- 57
9: Hi, this is Robert Jermolowski, owner of Doing It Right Roofing Siding Remodeling. Looking for a new roof or siding upgrade? Call us for a free estimate at 724 New Roof or visit roofingcontractorfitsburg.com.
14: For victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique. But you are not alone. You always have a place at Mad. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877 madhelpcom help Or visit mad.org.
1: Mostly clear skies for tonight with a low of 56. Tomorrow, a blend of sun and clouds and a high of 80. A thunderstorm around tomorrow evening, otherwise mostly cloudy skies, low 61. Wednesday will be pleasant with sun and clouds. Expect a high Wednesday of 81. Thursday, clouds and sun, a high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster, Drew Shannon.
3: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh
4: studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for being with us for the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home. Kath is off today. She's catching a little sand and sun on vacation, so good for calf. And uh, at some point, I think I'm going to follow along. I'm a very pro ocean vacation. Uh, Christy, do you like to go to the ocean? Love it. Yeah, me too. It's my happy place times 10. That's right. Yeah. Do you have a beach in mind you go to?
2: Um, This year we're going to Myrtle Beach in a few weeks. Oh,
4: very nice. Yeah. Have you been there before?
2: Hasn't. It's been a long time since I was a kid.
4: Myrtle Beach. Uh, I think I've been, been there one time. Uh, we tend to go to the Outer Banks, which is fine too. i yep. happy to anywhere where there, sand and sun. That's, That's right, very, very nice indeed. Excellent. So cast away, which is a good thing, and, uh, and not that you know, she's not. It's a good thing she's, she's on vacation. That's what I meant to say. Uh, uh, yesterday, I had the um, the privilege and the opportunity to uh, to pray for, uh, for our congregation. To I mean, I, I it's such a privilege, isn't it? If you get to to pray, and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea where you think, uh, I'm gonna, I get to pray, but it's really it's such a wonderfully powerful thing. I I get to think about it a lot before you do it, and then you finally go, and you, I just love it so much. And I, as I'm reading about it, I was you know preparing, thinking about it. I came across a piece by Billy Graham that Billy Graham wrote way back in the 1960s, 1962 to be exact. And I just want to read you a little piece of this, because it really... It encouraged me, so I hope it would encourage you as well. He he says this. The men whose shoulders rested the initial responsibility of Christianizing the world came to Jesus with one supreme request. They did not say, Lord, teach us to pray, Lord, teach us to do miracles, or Lord, teach us how to be wise, but they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Where do you suppose the disciples learned the supreme importance of prayer? They learned it from Jesus no one has given more encouragement to prayer than did Jesus. The followers of Christ were both encouraged to pray and taught how to pray. They saw constantly the example that Jesus set in praying, and they noted the direct relationship between Jesus' unusual ministry and his devout life of prayer. Jesus considered praying more important than food. For the Bible says that hours before breakfast, in the morning, Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Mark 1.3.5 To the Son of God, prayer was more important than the assembling of great throngs, the Bible says. And great multitudes came together to hear, and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 5.15.16 the precious hours of fellowship with his heavenly father meant much more to our savior than sleep for the Bible says, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Luke six twelve. Billy Graham continues to go on and he says, Jesus prayed at funerals and the dead were raised. He prayed over the five loaves and two fishes and a multitude were fed with a little boy's lunch. He prayed, not my will, but thine, and he provided sinful men access to a holy God. It was pleased God to relate his work with the world to the prayers of his people. Noah prayed, and God handed him a blueprint of the ark of deliverance. Moses prayed, and God delivered the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. Gideon prayed, and the host of a formidable enemy fled in fear before his valiant, prayerful 300. Daniel prayed, And the mouths of the lions were closed. Elijah prayed. And the fire of God consumed the sacrifice and licked up the water around the altar. David prayed. And he defeated Goliath on the Philistine battleground. And so the disciples prayed. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So that 3,000 were added to the church in one day. Paul prayed. And hundreds of churches were born in Asia Minor and Europe. Because God answers prayers. What a privilege is ours, this privilege in prayer. Christian, examine your heart. Reconsecrate your life. Yield yourself to God unreservedly, for only those who pray through a clean heart will be heard of him. And so the Bible says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray in times of adversity, lest we become faithless and unbelieving. Pray in times of prosperity, lest we become vaunted and proud. Pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. Pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. Christians, pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit upon a willful, evil, unrepentant world. Sinners, pray to a merciful God for forgiveness Parents, pray that God may crown your home with grace and mercy. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. So, pray. Christian, pray. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? That's Billy Graham way back in 1962. And, of course, those words, they don't lose any, any power. They still have the same power decades later. Because God always compels us to pray. I love that so much. It is a skill, isn't it? It is in some ways an art form. But anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. I know that you can. It just takes a willingness to do so. So pray. Pray fervently. Pray often. Pray always. And then especially teach your children to pray. Hmm. How beautiful that is, the prayers of a child. It is a wicked and evil world. All you have to do is look at your own heart. We are an amplification of that, that we create that around us. But I also know we're given the tools to create holiness and beauty and grace and forgiveness in our own lives. First against ourselves and in those that we love. And especially to the culture now who needs prayer more than ever. So teach yourself. Train yourself up in the power of prayer and then pass it along to those you love. We'll take a a quick break. We've got uh, much more ahead. It's the five o'clock hour of the ride home. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk online at 101.5 Word FM on the radio dial. Of course, you can find us at wordfm.com. We'll be right back with more prayer.
5: 101.5 WORD.
1: This week on Truth For Life, we launch a new series titled Encore 2021, revisiting the most popular messages from the past 12 months. It's been quite a year. We'll long remember it for its challenges and difficulties. Through it all, God has remained faithful. Listen Monday through Friday to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. Towels
4: just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA Cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA Cotton. Regularly $109.99 now, just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD.
6: Don't let bees buzz off your customers. Get the help you need at BoozBugStoppers.com. Get a free quote on a monthly or quarterly pest control and sanitation plan without a long-term contract that'll clean them up, block them out, push them back, and remove pests safely. Backed by Boo's 100% satisfaction guarantee. When it comes to protecting your business and your guests, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Bugstoppers at boozebugstoppers.com. McQueen Building Company. Remember what it was like getting together with your partner for a fabulous night out? It's been too long. Join Word FM aboard the Gateway Clippers Princess for our date night dinner cruise. Wednesday, August 25th from 630 to 9. Relax in the company of fellow believers while you enjoy a great dinner, music, and fabulous views of the city skyline. Sponsored in part by Trinity Jewelers. Just $45 a ticket. Don't miss the boat. Reserve your seat now at
4: wordfm.com slash date night. Frederica Matthews Green is with us. Frederica is the author of a book that we love called The Jesus Prayer, the ancient desert prayer that tunes the heart to God. Also, her latest is called Welcome to the Orthodox Church, an introduction to Eastern Christianity. Frederica, welcome back. How are you?
14: I'm fine. I'm fine. Frederica? uh, up there because
4: of that overture it's been coming back no no we're good I mean really it's been um it's been uh clean and strong here we're safe and we're back in the studio and everything you know Great. is uh, moving forward now here what I love about you is when you join us, you tell us stories of the saints, and I think that, to me, it's always encouraging, right? It's, it's men and women who have gone before us, who have served the Lord, and they're always fascinating, sometimes odd and unusual stories, and I know you've got a story today about another saint.
14: Yes, yes, somebody who I didn't know was a saint, actually. Um, those are, who are pretty, pretty familiar with the book of Acts and uh, the works of St. Paul, might recognize the name Gamaliel, that's G A M A L I E L, and Gamaliel was a very, very prominent uh, Jewish uh, interpreter of the scriptures, he was a leading member of the Sanhedrin, Um, he was a Pharisee, and St. Paul says even that he learned his theology at the feet of Gamaliel. He says this in Acts 22.3, that Gamaliel was his teacher. And Gamaliel says an interesting thing in Acts 5, where they have arrested Peter and some of the apostles and have brought them to trial with Sanhedrin is meeting, saying, what should we do about them? And and Gamaliel says, basically, he says, let them go. Because if they are doing the work of God, you will never be able to stop them anyway. If they're not doing the work of God, like some recent rabble-rousers, God will get rid of them. But if they are... This is God's work. And so what I learned today is, today is the feast day of St. Gamaliel. Really? I never thought of him as a saint before, but it turns out that the church in Jerusalem has maintained a memory of this very Gamaliel. Really? They, they say that in Jerusalem, um, the ancient Christian said, he was a member of our church. We baptized him and his son, whose name is Abibas. And when St. Stephen was killed, stoned to death, the very first Christian martyr, Gamaliel had a place out in the country, and he allowed us to bury St. Stephen there. And then Nicodemus, who was the one that came to Jesus by night, the believer among the Pharisees who wasn't quite brave enough to come in the daytime, and and he was the one Jesus spoke the words John 3.16 to, God so loved the world. Well, Nicodemus was a friend of Gamaliel, and the ancient Jews in Jerusalem, ancient Christians in Jerusalem say um, that Gamaliel took in Nicodemus. Nicodemus spent the rest of his life at Gamaliel's place out in the country, and that all four of them were buried there. St. Stephen first, St. Nicodemus, St. Gamaliel, and St. Abbas. So this, um, this memory was kept alive in the Jerusalem church, and in the year 415, um, a priest, Father Lucian, arranged to remove the bodies from where they were out in the country and had them buried in Jerusalem, and a church built right next to the site of the burial of these famous saints. So that's something I learned today, John, I wanted to tell you about, because it it shows how much the early Christians did and knew and the memories they passed down from generation to generation of uh, the what happened next um, that we just don't know in the West. And I was... um, uh, amazed to, to encounter this story.
4: I love it so much, Frederica. You know, that story, there are many people, I believe, right, and I'm sure you know this in your studies, that were would, would be considered unfriendly to Christian believers because they were following a different God, but then they heard the truth of Christ, and they came, and they not only converted to Christ, Christianity, but they helped those Christians who were in trouble. That's so
14: true, and it, it makes such a difference to be able to know this Um, or at least if you trust the early Jewish church in Jerusalem um, to be able to hope that this actually is true and to welcome him in as a member of the community, so to speak. We'll find out in heaven. Um, But it was a lovely thing to read today and encouraging. Uh As you say, the church kept expanding, and we don't know all the names of those who ended up coming into
4: the faith, I love this. So, so Frederica, <laughs> you're a scholar and you read often. I mean, look, there's something that you just discovered today in your readings. Uh, okay. You you, to, you have to be surprised oftentimes, right? I mean, uh, things that are hidden. All it requires is uh, that knowledge or the uh, the thirst for the knowledge to unearth these things. But God always surprises.
14: always does and you know that's one of the things i love about him he keeps surprising us and we keep we keep learning that we have friends in the early early church that we never knew were our friends so that's that's a happy story. Excellent.
4: Hey, um, I know that we were talking before you joined us on the air, and you were also uh, doing a little work on Pascal's Wager. Now, uh, Pascal's Wager is one of those things that uh, you, you hear the words, you hear the phrase, and you think, oh, I, I think I know what that is. But it, it goes very deep, uh, especially into our Christian walk. Can you define that as a, a, what that is, another surprise, perhaps, that you've discovered here? Yes,
14: that's right. So I'm talking about Blaise Pascal, who was a Frenchman who lived in the 1600s. And um, you may have heard of him, listeners, um, in terms of mathematics. He was, uh, he was a genius. He was a child prodigy at mathematics and physics. He invented the first um, mathematical calculator. He did all kinds of things. Well, one thing that he was was very profoundly convinced Christian. And he loved the Lord very much. And seeing so much antagonism in France and so much skepticism about the faith, he set about trying to find the most persuasive things that we could say to speak to those who are our opponents in the faith. Mm. So the wager is something that he came up with. And it goes like this. There's no way that we can know just by human reason that God exists. You know, we can. I think you look at creation, and it's obvious. Yes. But not everybody sees that. Um, you can't really build an argument out of reason. It takes something more than that. And so he said, if we don't know, then let's let's picture that something is going on at the depths of of history, the far end of history. Oh, I've got the I've got here. It's just a couple of sentences. He wrote, "God is or is not." but towards which side will we lean? Reason cannot decide anything. There is an infinite chaos separating us. At the far end of this infinite distance, a game is being played. The coin is going to come down heads or tails. How will you wager? Reason can't make you choose one way or the other. God exists or he doesn't exist. Reason cannot make you defend either of the two choices. But as he says, the coin is going to land and how should we live knowing that will eventually happen and that our reason cannot get us all the way there (laughs) so so he said let's it's really very simple he said there are two possibilities either god exists or he doesn't exist within each of those there are two choices either you believe he exists or you don't believe so take the first one if god does not exist If you believe that he does, then at the end, at death, you really haven't lost anything. You may have gained. You know, maybe you had a happier life or you had more of a sense of meaning and purpose in your life. Um, But you don't lose anything by believing in God if he doesn't exist. And if he doesn't exist and you don't believe in him, again, you don't really lose anything. I think the, um, the person who did believe had a slightly happier life in any case. But, on the other side of the coin, if God does exist, if you believe that he exists, then you gain everything. Then it is the the biggest wager you ever made in your life, and it gives you eternal joy in the presence of God. If God does exist and you don't believe he exists, then you suffer infinitely. In either case, it's infinite joy, or infinite suffering in the outer darkness Jesus talked about, yes. where there's, there's pain and weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Pascal set it up that way. You know, those four possibilities. If he doesn't exist, yes or no. If he does exist, yes or no. Hmm. Obviously, it's better to believe that God exists. That's the, um, that's the safest of the four possibilities there.
4: Yes. Uh, um, in in acting circles there's a thing that you you can act as if that the circumstances you're involving yourself into the scene that you're walking into well then you know you're believing this you're going to act as if whatever's happening right and so i had a friend who was not a believer and we would talk about that you know act i'm acting as if and if you do over a period of time act as if then that becomes, in some ways, for for the actor, the reality of the moment within the scene. And so, my friend, he essentially beca- <laughs> this is he essentially became a believer because we would talk about Pascal and we would talk about the acting scene and the acting as if. And over a few years, he became a believer because he began to just act as if God or Jesus existed. And it changed his life. And it's a simple thing, uh, but I I do believe that there is power within that.
14: I think there really is. I I think believing that God really does exist, of course, that he rewards the attempt to believe, Hmm. that he rewards when we say, um, you know, Lord, I I have such little faith. Strengthen my faith. Give me belief, just like the man who had brought this um, uh, uh, paralyzed son to the Lord. Yeah. If you know, as if I'm the kind of person who doesn't overeat in the middle of the day, you know. <laughs> right, right. If I act as if, eventually, my behavior conforms to what the um what what the behavior is dictating. Yes,
4: I believe that's true. And yes. you know, and I think, uh, Frederica, you know, as we, you know. Y- y- A lot of people are going to be raised now in homes where God is not prominent, right? And so you'll be raised and left to your own devices, searching for God or just living your own life to please yourself. So I think more than ever, that idea of Pascal's wager or the idea of as if or, you know, that there has to be something greater than beyond my immediate desires and wants and needs, that's going to become deeply prominent, I think, in the decades ahead.
14: That hunger for God never goes away, Um, even if people are telling you that you have to believe that He doesn't exist. Something inside keeps in telling you. So I hope uh, listeners will think about this. This is not a proof of the existence of God. Of course, Pascal starts by saying you can't prove it by reason. It's just an uh, acting as if opportunity, as you say, that's very
4: well said. Very good. Frederica, I, I know that you, uh, you've written uh, several excellent books, and I know that uh, you continue to do so. Uh, y- even in retirement, you know, you and your husband have had some uh, some time here now, but what about your, your, your writing exercise? Do you continue to stay at it? Are you working on something uh, larger now? Where are you in the process? Oh, thanks,
14: John. Yes, I do continue to stay at it, and I've I'm, I'm involved in a kind of a strange thing in that I am trying to figure out what I'm trying to say at the same time I'm writing it. Mm. So I do a great deal of writing, but then I say, no, that's, you know, that isn't useful. But it, it has to do with our culture that is so, um, in a sense, attenuated. We feel so stretched thin, like Bilbo said, like to, not enough butter over too much toast. Um, I think that we are, we are, being driven by concepts and ideas and by our images on social media, and we're not really very involved in the in real life. Real life seems more and more alien to us, or like something that we can't achieve or can't visit. Um, so I have a theory about, um, strangely enough, um, what what people tend to find when they convert and join the Orthodox Church, the main thing they say is there's something so alive here. There's something so vital and dynamic, and it's, you know, it's like you've been thrown in the deep end. That's what I've been trying to identify, and I think I have some clues, but it's... uh, I, I have to do more thinking before I can do more writing. That's the state I'm in at the moment. That's
4: good. That sounds like a very a fertile place to be in your thought life. So I, uh, I pray for your success as you move forward here in the God direction, my heart and mind in the in the, uh, the search for that. That's very good, Frederica.
14: Thank you. I so appreciate that, John. I always need more prayer.
4: Yeah, very good. Frederica, always good to, to check in with you. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Frederica Matthews Green, do yourself a favor. Get the Jesus Prayer, the ancient desert prayer that tunes the heart to God. Frederica Matthews Green, the Jesus Prayer.
1: If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford.
5: SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select Quote.
1: We shop, you save.
5: Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issue and company and other factors. Not available in all states.
1: Grove City College.
4: A group of young people who are engaged in a rigorous academic journey. Mm-hmm. That's fair to say. What happens at Grove City College? This is not essentially for the faint of heart. It is a rigorous, deep dive into an academic load.
14: It is. You know, I've had this conversation with both of my kids a lot over the last couple of years. Mom, I don't know how I'm going to do on the midterm. Like, I I don't know. What, what if I don't pass this class? And, you know, both of my kids do pretty well in school,
7: but it's a challenging atmosphere. What I love about it, though, is that there's help for you. You know, I, it's like if, if, you, if you can't get what you need, if you feel like you don't have what it takes to pass microeconomics, which I didn't when I was an undergrad. Right. <laughs> they've got a great tutoring setup. So it's it's one of those things that you want to be challenged, but you want to also have some people behind you to support you so you feel like in the challenge you can succeed.
4: I'm into that. Grove City College, rigorous academics, great and fun athletics, wonderful Christian values, and some of the most amazing people that I promise you you will ever meet. For more information, look online for you or your rising senior gcc.edu
5: Listen on your smart speaker. The Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, heart tune in and on radio.com in the car or at home too. At 101.5 W O R D F M Pittsburgh.
3: Is it possible to truly love your enemy? Discover the truth behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as never before in the award-winning film, Hope in the Holy Land. An enlightening, politically nuanced, and morally sensitive look at both sides with real stories from Jews, Muslims, and Christians who've lived through the years of war in search of peace. Don't miss Hope in the Holy Land, available now at salemnow.com. Watch this film and pass it on. Go to salemnow.com today. (laughs)
1: Mostly clear skies for tonight with a low of 56. Tomorrow, a blend of sun and clouds and a high of 80. A thunderstorm around tomorrow evening, otherwise mostly cloudy skies, low 61. Wednesday will be pleasant with sun and clouds. Expect a high Wednesday of 81. Thursday, clouds and sun, a high 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon.
4: Holy smokes. I can't believe guess I can't believe it. I just saw this on the Newswire. Carnegie Mellon University now plans to reinstate a mask mandate indoors and outdoors for all on-campus events effective Sunday, August 15th. What? Citing a rise of COVID-19's Delta variant and the return later this month of thousands of students and employees for the fall semester. In a university-wide message Monday, Daryl Weinert Vice President for Operations, Interim Vice President for Research, and COVID 19 Coordinator at Carnegie Mellon University said the move is consistent with updated guidelines from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. It applies to thousands of students and employees, vaccinated or unvaccinated, he said. (sighs) What the heck? Now, at the same time, the state of Pennsylvania said the um, there are no current plans for the new mask mandate. <clears throat> I don't know. Get a shot. Do you follow the science? Do you believe the science? Look, I got a shot. I got two shots. I believe that I'm safe because I got two shots. Now this new thing is involved and all of a sudden we're going to mask up again. I don't want to do this. This is crazy. I don't know. I don't know. And everybody who hasn't gotten a shot is pointing the finger to those who got a shot and said, see, we told you so. And everybody who's gotten a shot is pointing a finger to those who have not got a shot and said, hey, you guys, get a shot. And so the tension continues, right? And people continue to get sick. Now, of course, uh, I mean, this is debate, it's just a dog chasing its tail. It just goes around in a circle and a circle and a circle. And meanwhile, some people get sick. Some people pass away, a tiny percentage. I know that, but there you have it. So the government's wringing their hands, and some are saying, we're going to go back to this again. Others are saying, the heck with it. I'm not going to do this. And people are angry and upset, and it's just a train wreck. It's a train wreck, really. For Carnegie Mellon to do that, that's a a major volley. I mean, Carnegie Mellon, say what you will. Some super bright people up there, so they're covering their bases. And now on campus in the fall, I got a kid going to Penn State. Uh, So now you got your vaccine passport, all that. What a train wreck. I don't know. Who do you believe? What do you believe? You try to take the best precautions. You want to go out and live your life again. But man, oh man, that's brutal. We'll take a quick break, come back. We got more ahead. Tom Soroka is with us. He's going to join us here in a few minutes. We're going to talk about forgiveness. Don't we all need that? Forgiveness straight ahead here on The Ride Home. 101.5
5: WORD
2: One of the saddest things in life is to see a person who was once a light for Christ now an ember who confuses activities
5: for effectiveness Dr. Michael Yousaf
2: God is looking for fruit
5: bearing life God is looking to the heart first then the hand not the other way around Learn more this week on Leading the Way.
1: Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD.
5: One listener
11: that stands out that i worked with recently was this older couple that was interested in refinancing. They reached out to a few different lenders. You know, their credit wasn't the best. I know some of these other bigger banks, you just won't hear back from them, which I cannot stand. Not everybody has the 780 credit scores and never had any hardships in their life. Just because you don't qualify at one time doesn't mean that you'll never qualify. I'll walk you through what you have to do to do this refinance, whether it's two, three, six months from now. Back to that older couple, we worked with them for months and months to improve their credit. And we were able to get the loan done. We were saving them Hundreds each month, thousands of dollars a year, finally got themselves into a situation financially that they can handle. And they could start saving money each month for retirement. At the end of the day, they just could not be happier, which just put a huge smile on my face.
5: We. Our United, United Faith, mortgage. Faith
11: Mortgage. United Mortgage Court,
0: Melville, New York. West number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672.
10: Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son, founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right. Designed to heal. 8384 relieffactor.com
7: Thursday, August 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Be a part of Food for the Poor's virtual We Are One concert. This will be an evening filled with hope, unity, and celebration as we come together to experience the power of generosity to transform the world for those in need. Register today at foodforthepoor.org forward slash ONE to be a part of our silent auction filled with fantastic items, including incredible trips to national and international destinations. That's foodforthepoor.org forward slash
4: one. One of the aspects about being alive is to be hurt and to hurt, right? We're all guilty of that. We hurt each other every day and we are hurt every day. Father Tom Siroc is with us. He's the pastor of St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. A regular guest with us. Tom, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
9: Hi, John. How are you? Pretty good not bad i mean (laughs) i i was listening and i i heard you bemoaning the uh masking stuff that's going on my wife and i traveled out to california we were actually in san francisco for four days and it's like a different country over there tell me because well i mean people are masking like outside double masking just walking around up i'm not joking i'm not not exaggerating i'm not joking um, there's still very, very strict masking going on, and it's, it was weird to us. Like, it was very hard to understand that people were walking around outside, and they just announced today universal masking again, starting today in nine <sighs> counties in California.
4: Tom, we, were, we, we took a trip out to Yellowstone uh, a month or so ago, and nobody was wearing a mask. I yeah. mean, I, and look, I, I got my shots. I trust the science. I'm good to go. I believe that, you know, we're safe here. (laughs)
9: Right. I was, I was was thinking exactly the same thing when you were saying that. And I'm just really hoping that they don't go back to that. Obviously it's not, not why I'm here today, but uh, uh, it's, it's, a little bewildering. It
4: certainly is. I mean, you know, there you are. You're a pastor at a church here, and people are showing up on masks, aren't they? Not. Mm-hmm. Oh
9: yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we just have a couple people, and and that's fine. Like fine. if you want to wear yes. a mask, wear a mask.
4: That's your business. Yep. But man, you're going to shut things down again, and you, know, you just you see why people get angry. I mean, you see you know, the government overreach, and you're, you're, you're crushing us again. Yep. yep. Uh, oh, boy, yep. Oh, boy. Anyway, not here to talk about masks. <laughs>
9: I forgive them. I forgive them.
4: <laughs> I I do. I forgive them all. You are here to talk about forgiveness, which is always a, a, a really important to talk about because I think for a lot of people, right? I mean, it's it's one of the things that's so difficult to do in your yeah. Christian walk.
9: Yeah, I'll tell you. You know, in our Orthodox Church, we have the sacrament of confession. Right? I know not everybody has that, but I think all of us as Christians believe in confession. Yes. We believe in confessing our sins. You know, depending on how we do that, it might look different. But we all believe in confession, and we all believe in forgiveness. And so yesterday uh, in our church, we read from Matthew 9, and it's about that wonderful scene. Uh, it's, it's described a little bit differently in Luke 5, but same story It's the paralytic who is brought through the roof of the house in front of Jesus, where it's very crowded, and these friends bring him down, and they're like, you know, you have to heal our friend. And what's amazing about that parable is that it's really not a parable about physical healing. He does get healed physically, but the first thing that Jesus says to him is he says, "Uh, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it's very striking, this particular story, because you, I, I think we devalue forgiveness. We really do. You know, in other words, hey, this guy is here to be healed. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth is, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And it's got me thinking about why forgiveness is so important. So I wanted to just share a few things and, and see what you think. The first couple of of thoughts, I think we all believe in forgiveness. We all know that there's value there. We all know that when we harbor hatred and animosity in our heart, it's really not healthy. It can cause uh, physical ailments. It certainly causes mental anguish. Um, As a priest, I have encountered so many people that— are distant from their family. Uh, there is there is true, you know, hatred and anger. Uh, people have hung on to things, uh, things that re- sometimes very very serious problems in families or with friends. Where they've been distant for 10, 20 years. Right. Hey, Tom, I'm so, sorry.
4: You know, I'm, I'm glad you bring this up because I was just reading today uh, an essay by David Brooks, and he's talking about, you know, the dissolution of, of families. He says that he believes, I don't know where he got this figure from, but 27% of people in this country are in some ways estranged from a family member. 27% it, for long term.
9: Honestly, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think had I not been a pastor, it it might surprise me, but I've heard so many stories that I realize, yeah, this is a real thing, and I'm very thankful every day that I have such good relations with my family, my children, and so forth. Um, So I think it's very important that we we try to understand the value of forgiveness. But I wanted to bring up two other points, and I think from a Christian point of view— We have to take this very seriously. Number one, um, Jesus preaches forgiveness, right? Uh, In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, uh, you know, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And that sounds a little bit unfair. It's like, well, wait a second. So basically what you're saying is I have to do something in order to be forgiven. But I want us to remember this very important point. Right before those verses where Jesus says, be our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yes. He says, um, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Which is totally this mind-blowing teaching that is very difficult for us to Uh, wrap our brain around. But really, when you think about the idea of forgiveness, where he says, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, why then does he say, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect? And that's exactly why. Because the Lord has forgiven our trespasses. The Lord has forgiven our sins. And if anyone has the right (laughs) to not forgive us, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Every day that we get up, we somehow fall short of the glory of God. We fall short. We do not deserve forgiveness at all. It is it is a pouring out of his grace and his mercy and his kindness that he forgives us. And therefore, to be like him, we must forgive. This, this is extremely important. But then there's one more point, John, If I want to share. Yes. And that is, if you go back to the story that I told about the paralytic, so he gets lowered in front of Jesus, his friends lower him, and the first thing out of his mouth is he says, Be of good cheer. Like the guy can't walk, right? Yeah. And he's like, Be happy. Your sins are forgiven you. And you want to, you almost want to like roll your eyes and say, wait a second, time out, the guy can't walk, and you're telling him, be happy, your sins are forgiven you. And of course, he does forgive, he does uh, 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 show the scribes and the Pharisees that he has power to forgive sins, therefore he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But here's the the kicker. That man, he could be healed all day long of his paralysis, but you know what, John, you cannot enter the kingdom of God with that hatred in your heart and with that unforgiven sin. However, you can enter the kingdom of God being paralyzed. Therefore, the great value for this man was that he was forgiven. The 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 healing of his his physical infirmity was almost secondary because Again, to be a child of the kingdom of God is to be forgiven, not necessarily physically healed. The physical healing was a sign of Christ's power over, uh, over humanity because he is the creator. But the sign of forgiveness is the sign of the, the fullness of the kingdom of God, where there is no hatred, no anger, uh, all is, is mercy and love and and forgiveness, and this is why this paralytic was told, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you, and therefore we have to forgive other people because we are members of the kingdom of
4: God. Oh, that's so good. Okay, Tom, I I love this so much. Now, I've only got a couple of minutes here, but I'm going to open up something here that, you know, you you may regret me opening up, but I've been thinking about this, that as you said early on, you know, um, the act of confession, in, you said early on, you know, in, in, the Orthodox, in the Orthodox Church, this is something that's a, a regular sacrament. This is something that you go through, which requires, you know, re- which requires an action. But even before you go to the act of confession, there is something called the examination of conscience, right, where you sit and think about things, right, and then you come to realize, or you already know through the examination of conscience, the nature of your sin, and to me, that that examination of conscience is so necessary to make a solid confession so that you can be forgiven, right?
9: It's true. It's true. Yeah. And, and the reason why is there are so many ways in which we fall short of that standard, right? So the examination in our particular faith tradition is that we look at a lot of different teachings. We look at the Ten Commandments, we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we look at the scriptural teaching, we look at the lives of the Lord Jesus Christ and and everyone who was uh, followers of him, his disciples, and we say, how do I measure up to this? How have I fallen short of being a good Christian, being a good husband, being a good father, a, a good worker, right? Um, a good son, a good daughter. These things are very important so that when we approach uh, someone for confession, and I want to make this very clear as, a, as an Orthodox Christian uh, pastor, you are not getting forgiveness from this particular man. You. What that right? What this? What this man? This 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 pastor is doing is he is proclaiming God's forgiveness. Uh, it is God's forgiveness that we want. It is not. I mean, we certainly want man's forgiveness. We have to be reconciled to each other, but. Um, you know, in the early church, John, it was very common to get up in front of all of your believer friends, your congregation, and speak your sins openly. Yes. But today, in sort of this fallen world, that would cause scandal, and it would be very difficult. Uh, we don't share all things in common. Therefore, the the, the pastor, the priest, stands there sort of uh, in place of the entire congregation. He holds those things very closely. He never reveals them to anyone so that in a way the whole congregation can be sure that this person was sincere and has been forgiven.
4: That's very good. I mean, Tom, and and I'll say this, our our time is almost over here, but you know, uh, I've been to AA meetings and I'm not saying that AA meeting is the church, but when you go into an AA meeting, it's presumed that you yourself are an alcoholic or an addict. And so you confess regularly in those meetings, everybody nods their head and goes, that's me. I've done that. I'm an idiot. I'm a fool. My anger, my sin, my, Everybody gets it. Yep. You're all in the same room. Yep. And then they go, hey, what you heard in these rooms doesn't leave these rooms. And that's right. an, an early church model.
9: Yeah, the priest doesn't stand there, by the way, in judgment of someone. He stands there and he actually says in one of the prayers, I am a sinner just like you. I'm into and that. I stand here as a witness. That's very right. good.
4: Tom, thanks an awful lot. It's always a great pleasure to be with us.
9: Thanks, John.
4: God bless you. God bless you. Father Tom Soroka, St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. We'll step away. We've got a smidge left. Stay with us. It's The right Home with John and Kathy for Pittsburgh's Christian Talk here on 101.5 Word FM.
13: Are you ready to go to prison for three years for doing this work? Carrying Bibles into countries like China or Iran is an act of direct defiance to communist and Muslim governments opposing Christianity. Every brave soul who attempts it must ask themselves, Am I willing to accept the consequences? If they arrest me, am I willing to go the distance? Pray God will go before these couriers, enabling them to deliver his word to those who are desperate for its message of hope.
7: Shine the light of God's word in the darkest places today. Just $6 sends a Bible to a persecuted believer. $60 will send 10 Call 800-279-1969. That's 800-279-1969. Or click on the Voice of the Martyrs banner at wordfm.com.
6: To be or not to be? If that's your pest question, get the help you need at boozebugstoppers.com. Booze respects bees until they become a stinging problem for homeowners. Boo and his Bug Stoppers team can safely remove wasps, hornets, carpenter, and ground bees with no long-term contracts and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Get a free quote today. When it comes to getting the buzz on bees, who are you going to call? Booze Bug Stoppers at boozebugstoppers.com.
12: If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay,
1: Are you a teacher looking to grow your career? Waynesburg University offers a Master of Education with multiple areas of concentration as well as certification in special education. Classes start every semester. Financial aid is available. Visit waynesburg.edu.
12: Looking for a job? Contact Express Employment Professionals and be part of their national hiring event. With one application, Express connects you with multiple employers and never charges a fee. Go to expresspros.com, find your nearest office, and call Express today
4: funny how a casual comment can somehow change the way you look at things. This happened uh, on Friday. We were talking about uh, watching the Olympics, and I said to Christy, our producer here, I said, are you watching? And Christy, you said, I'm not watching the Olympics. And so Cass said, well, then what are you watching? And you said what? Golden Girls. Yeah, Golden Girls. (laughs) Now, listen, I have not watched the Golden Girls for decades. What? Decades. I sought it out. And I watched an episode on Saturday. Yes.
11: I liked it. It's good.
4: It's very good. <laughs> Who's your favorite golden girl? Uh, probably Sophia. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny show. It is. I mean, and it still holds up. Yeah, it does. Do you know, uh, what were the years of production? Any idea? Oh,
11: it, 90s.
4: Maybe even earlier. Maybe
10: I, late 80s I, or yeah, early 90s. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I mean... It's a weird show. Now, yeah. of course, everybody, I love The Office. Yes. And as much as cringeworthy as it is, I do love The Office. The Golden Girls is kind of the opposite of that. It way. is.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: All right. So uh, now I said, um, you know, I'm watching the Olympics. You have not yet tuned in.
11: I Actually, I hung out with some friends over the weekend and they had it on. All right. So you saw it casually. Very little. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> All
10: right.
4: Well, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to watch the Olympics, no doubt, but I may sneak in an episode of the Golden Girls as well. Why not? I may rue the day that we (laughs) had this conversation because you may have created an addiction in me, but it is good.
11: Sorry, not sorry.
4: (laughs) Hey, thanks for being with us today for the Monday edition of The Ride Home. The podcast is up and running after we leave the show. You can check us out on Facebook as well. Have yourself a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem
3: Media Group.